We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Friday, January 5th. My name is Chris Crawford. I am joined by my good friend Ryan Boyer. We're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff because there was a bunch of transactions that took place over the last week and especially right before we were about to start recording. Mr. Depoto, we really appreciate it. For those of you who are watching live, I was wearing this hat before all the trades happened, but it is, uh, and for those of you who are listening, I'm wearing a Seattle Mariner hat. My opinion, their best one, their new City Connect one. Anyway, we're going to talk about those trades as well as a trade between Atlanta and Boston that came out of nowhere. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to look at the remaining free agent class, and there's still some really good ones. And we're going to offer where we think they would be the best ultimate landing spot for those free agents, where they fit from a fantasy perspective. But let's talk about those transactions, and let's talk about the most recent one. Uh, Robbie Ray traded to the Seattle Mariners, and I just lost my buddy Ryan. That's okay. We're, we're used to this by now. Robbie Ray is heading to the San Francisco Giants in return for Mitch Haniger and Anthony Desclafani. Robbie Ray was limited to just one start last year before, you know, they say it was a flexor tendon, and then it became obviously something much more than that. He ends up undergoing Tommy John surgery. He's not expected back until this, uh, the middle of the season. I almost said December. That would be a really late start to the season. But Robbie Ray is not expected to be back until the second half of the year. When he's been healthy, he has been a frontline starter, a guy who has missed bats, your 2021 Cy Young Award winner. Um, so obviously there's some upside in that left arm. I'm intrigued by what's happening with Robbie Ray. Now, and Ryan joins us again. Ryan, thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, on the show. We really like uh, seeing your smiling face. Uh, I was just saying, Robbie Ray, um, do you think this is the stock up thing or do you think this is neutral? What do you make of this move? Yeah, sorry about that. Good timing on the for the video to cut out about uh, two minutes into our uh, our podcast. But oh, good. So, um, I think it's pretty neutral. Um, I don't think we can count on Ray having much fantasy impact in 2024. Honestly, um, probably we're looking at. August one, maybe shortly after the all-star break, probably in a best case scenario that he's pitching again. And for a guy who 
command has not always been his strong suit. Correct. Um, that command could be a little slower to come back, even more so after after Tommy John surgery. So, obviously, going to from one great pitcher's park to another great pitcher's park. Um, so that's a positive. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of scooping him up as a cheap dynasty slash keeper play, but I'm not sure. counting on much for 2024 for Ray. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I think there's a chance that you get him back around the all-star break, you know, if he's a quick healer, but I think you make a really good point about the command stuff. Look, Robbie Ray's control has improved significantly over the last couple of years. Like, you know, it's a little bit darning with faint praise considering how bad it was there in 2020 and in parts of 2019 as well. But he throws strikes or threw strikes at a very consistent rate over the last couple of years. Now there were some walks, sure. But I wonder how this layoff is going to affect him. I think also to because Robbie Ray has been around, I think we all think of him as like a 35, 36 year old. He's still pretty young. There is still upside in that arm. I think that's a good call in the dynasty thing. Uh, the names coming back to the Mariners, Mitch Haniger, a return for the Seattle Mariners, has not been healthy the last couple of years. 2021, a very solid season, but I think if you were, and then Anthony Desclafani, 20 starts last year, only two after the All-Star break because of ankle injury. He is expected to have a normal offseason and be ready to return. I imagine that Desclafani is probably going to be that fifth starter for the Seattle Mariners. Um, I would guess Bryce Miller and Brian Wu battle for the fourth spot behind the big three there. I imagine Mitch Haniger is going to get a corner outfield starting spot. Are you intrigued by either of these guys from a fantasy perspective for 2024? I mean, if Haniger can stay healthy for 140 games, mm-hmm. I think he could be just fine. But the sure. odds of that happening are pretty slim. Probably the same odds that. Robbie Ray makes the opening day start for the, for the Giants. <laughs> um, and I'm, I mean, I'm a little worried about, I guess their, their intention is to play him in the outfield because they already signed Mitch Haniger to be their regular designated hitter. That's, he's got a pretty rough glove for yeah. that uh, great Mariners pitching staff. Um, yeah. I, I mean, his draft day price is going to be so low that sure. If he's, looks healthy in spring training. Maybe you can take a shot on him as your fifth fantasy outfielder, but I think that's probably the level he's at right now. Uh, Descalfani, unless I'm mistaken, I think the ankle was 2022 and then he had the flexor strain in 2023. That's my bad. Uh, But he didn't have surgery, had the PRP injection. He is supposed to be healthy for, spring training but if you'll recall i think didn't they say the same thing for robbie ray by the way wasn't it initially a flexor strain and that (laughs) all of a sudden turned into tommy john so you never know but yeah yeah i'm uh i'm with you in that if he is healthy he probably is going to be the fifth starter and he's perfectly capable in that role um as you mentioned has had trouble staying healthy the last couple years but had a pretty solid run uh, prior to that. Um, I think he fa- kind of falls in the same bucket as Haniger and that his draft day price is going to be so low that sure. Maybe in a deeper league, you could throw a 
throw a dollar in his way in the in the late rounds and the late round of your auction, whatever. But you know, I'm not I'm not expecting a, a ton from him in 2024. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm at least a little intrigued by and I, look, I was I just recorded a video for my Mariner YouTube on this trade, so I had you know a little bit of uh, you know sometimes I do research. Mitch Haniger did make hard contact last year. Like it was limited, but there what he was well above average in hard hit rate and all of the stuff that you're looking for. He's also well below average and swing and miss has always been an issue for Mitch Haniger. He has a lengthy swing and you know even in his best years you're talking 150, 160 strikeouts. I am intri- uh, at least a little intrigued by the type of pitcher Anthony Desclafani is joining Seattle. Still a really good slider. And the Mariners have done a really good job with these slider pitchers over the last couple of years. I mean, look, look, look they've turned Luis Castillo, who had one of the very best changeups in baseball, one of the very best pitches in baseball, into a slider first guy, which is still crazy to me. But it's, uh, it is a skill set that the Mariners have done well with and pounds the strikes on, which is a pretty big uh, theme of Seattle Mariner pitchers. Now, everybody on the Seattle Mariners is allergic to walking guys, including Luis Castillo. He's a command slider first guy, which imagine me telling you that in 2019. So there's a little bit of intrigue for me there. I just don't know if he's going to get enough starts and certainly don't know if he's going to miss enough bats, like well below average in whiff rates and all of the stats that you're looking for there. But it's an interesting trade. I think Robbie Ray could help the Giants big time in real life in the second half of the year. Like getting an arm like that, the type of arm who is, look, at one point, and he may still even, had the best strikeout rate of any starting pitcher in Major League history. That's at least a little bit intriguing for a very good pitcher part. And I'll just say this to close on the trade. Robbie Ray, get those tight pants ready, buddy. The Giants are going to love you. The Mariners made color tight pants. Yes, that's that cream color tight pants. Pretty terrible fantasy baseball name, actually, as I think about it. Uh, the other trade the Mariners make, I think, is more interesting from a fantasy perspective. Jose Caballero is heading to the Tampa Bay Rays. Luke Rayleigh is headed to the Seattle Mariners. Caballero, one of the better stories for the Seattle Mariners in 2023 in a year that was not exactly chock full of them, to be completely honest with you. I'm a little bit biased, but it wasn't exactly my favorite season in the world. But stole 26 bases, uh, really hit left-handed pitching, capable of playing any infield spot. But I'm really intrigued by Luke Rayleigh. Now, look, the second half of the year for Luke Rayleigh was terrible. But this is a rookie, basically. You know, the, He did have some spare time in 2021 and 22. But for all intents and purposes, first-year major league player that has an 824 OPS with 19 homers and 15 sto- 14 stolen bases, excuse me, I'm at least a little bit intrigued to see what Luke Rayleigh can do going forward. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's definitely the more interesting fantasy prospect of the two. I mean, he's basically a rookie, as you mentioned, but he's an old rookie. I think he's might turn 29 soon, and he's like a he's a really big guy, but a surprisingly good athlete. Like I, he rates well as far as like sprint speed goes, and those kind of metrics and for a guy who is a big dude, as you mentioned, stole 14 bases last year in addition to the the 19 home runs and a kind of a quasi regular role. Um, I do think he definitely fits the Mariners roster pretty well, actually. Um, he can play both left and right field. He can also play some center too, but 
Hopefully he's not going to be needed much there. Yeah. Also an option at first base. I know your uh, patience with Mr. Ty Francis started to wear a little thin. Um, so he is an option there. I, I don't think he's going to play against lefties, but that's fine. Um, if they can get a 800 plus OPS out of, out of him against righties, a little power, a little speed. I think a fifth fantasy outfielder, pretty decent target. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I will say that I was discouraged looking at, especially, you know, we, we do our best to look up every player like in the moment and stuff like that, but sometimes they slide through. I remember Luke Rayleigh got off to a rip roaring start. He did not mm-hmm. finish with a rip roaring start, but first year of major league baseball, that happens. You know, you're going to have your ups and downs. I'm still intrigued by now. The thing that scares me about Luke Rayleigh is, 39.8 swing and miss rate is very bad. Like contact issues are going to be a problem and he doesn't exactly compensate with a ton of walks either, but power speed, like, and he can run, he can run. He has a really good throwing arm too. He's definitely that type of athlete that I think has upside in his bat with Caballero. I just don't like the landing spot. I would have been really intrigued if he could go be a starting second baseman somewhere like give you that potential for 40 stolen bases, which is still valuable, even in this day and age where 40 stolen bases is more like 20 to 25. But I don't think that's going to be with the race. I think you're going to see him play an awful lot against left-handed pitching. Also wouldn't be shocked if Jose Caballero was flipped somewhere else. Like if somebody has a real interest in him, don't you think that could make some sense? What What is his reputation as far as um, his potential to play shortstop? I saw, I think it was Jeff Passan say he could be in the mix to start at shortstop for them. Um, obviously, the the Wander Franco situation and uh, Taylor Walls coming back from hip surgery, Junior Camonero, is uh, is he ready? Is he even a shortstop? Yeah. Um, so, uh, is Caballero a, a legitimate option to play shortstop regularly? Is he going to just bounce around and play some against lefties? You think? I I wouldn't feel super confident as my him being my everyday shortstop. I'd feel much better about him at second base. Yep. You know the the shift is not dead, even though people love to say that it was. So you know they can get away, and Tampa Bay is going to be um, assertive with that type of thing. They are going to have you know guys play all over the place. But I do think he can be passable. Like until you get a Taylor Walls back, I guess he could be passable there. And I think that intrigue adds to his fantasy uh, intrigue, you know, because he's going to steal bases. He's, as a Mariner fan, I will tell you, sometimes he was too aggressive. He was only caught stealing three times, but he made some real toot blands. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with that term, it's thrown out on the bases like a nincompoop. I, uh, I would be much more comfortable with him being my utility guy playing against lefties. The other thing is, Jose Caballero has very little power. So like if you are adding him in your fantasy draft, you better have some big boppers uh, at some other places. But, you know, it's at least intriguing. He was a non-prospect who came in and had a pretty darn solid year for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Our buddy Chad asked this question. Do you guys think the Ray trade takes the Giants off the board for Imanaga, which would have been the ideal landing spot? I don't think so. In fact, I think what this trade does is it takes them out on the Blake Snells and some of the other upper echelon arms. There are a couple left. I would guess that's what this takes them out on because I just can't see them spending that kind of money on those two arms, to be fair with you. I still think Imanaga is going, and we'll talk about it in a second, but I don't think this eliminates their uh, 
chance of adding uh, Imanaga. Would you agree with that, Ryan? I would. I actually am not sure it knocks them out of the Blake still sweepstakes either. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get into that a little more later. Okay, that's fair. That's that's fine. If you a just teaser. Uh, uh, I just wanted to make sure Chad knew that we were listening to his questions. Thank you so much, Chad. We really do appreciate that support. Uh, the other trade that happened, like almost literally after we got done recording, and this one obviously has much more fantasy perspective, but we wanted to talk about those first two trades because they were the most fresh. We've got to talk about the Chris Sale for Von Grisham trades. Uh, and then Chris Sale signing a two-year extension with Atlanta. They were not going to be scooped again, Ryan. They got scooped on the uh, Chris Sale for Von Grisham trade. They had to be devastated. They made dang sure they got that announcement out before anybody else did. I think this is kind of a fascinating trade for 2024 and beyond, and I'm sure you agree with me on that, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, it really caught, I think, pretty much everyone off guard. Yeah. Um, Sale had the the no trade clause already. I mean, he, he just didn't seem like a guy that was even on the trade radar for anyone. Um, but I mean, it's a as good of a landing spot I think as you can hope to to get to. Not necessarily from a ballpark pers- perspective, but he's obviously going to a prolific offense backing him. Good point. I mean, I think it really just ultimately comes down to is Chris Sale going to be healthy as far as how much fantasy value he's going to be able to produce in 2024. I mean, he finished really strong last year. I think like a 288 ERA in September. Strikeout rate in the year was up near 30%. So he's still capable of missing bats. His injuries have been plentiful. We know they have been fluky often. Um, so if he can stay healthy for this, for this year, maybe the next year. And of course, obviously he's signed to an extension because that's just what Atlanta does. Usually the extensions are for guys that are at least 10 years younger, but you know, Alex Anthopoulos can't, uh, he can't make a trade. He can't make an acquisition without extending someone as well. But Vaughn Grissom going the other way is super interesting as well. A really good fit, I think, for Boston. They needed a second baseman. I think second base is definitely the spot that he belongs. Um, they've dabbled with him playing shortstop, but they can just kind of lock him in at second base in Boston. I think he'll ultimately probably be solid there defensively, and he's got tons of offensive upside. The home run power is still, I think, a question, but – He's going to a park that's great for right-handed power. He could squeeze out a few extra home runs because of that and can steal some bases, and he's got a great hit tool. Um, I'm intrigued from both sides of this from a fantasy perspective. I think Sale, I don't know if his value went up a ton. I I think ultimately, as I mentioned, it just comes down to what he's going to be, if if he's going to be able to stay healthy. But I think it's a super interesting landing spot for both of these guys. I think so as well. And I think that you could argue, like, I'm not sure any player saw his fantasy perspective for 2024 improve more than Grissom. Like, Mm -hmm. 
I would be completely out on him because of things that are out of Grissom's control. It's not about his ability. It's about where the heck were they going to play him? Because Orlando RC is going to be the shortstop there. Uh, Ozzy Albies obviously is going to be playing second base for that team. There was some talk about him playing in the outfield. And then the Jared Kelnick trade happens. And Jared Kelnick's going to play over Von Grissom. As flawed as Jared Kelnick has been, better outfielder and he showed more than enough upside that I think you're playing him in the outfield over Von Grissom who's doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of experience there I'm intrigued by him as a long-term guy I'm, I'm probably out on him for 2024 there's just a little too much volatility for him Chris Sale's really interesting when he wasn't throwing his changeup, he was really really good last year his changeup got lit the you know what up but his slider is still as good as any expected batting average of 159 missing bats like crazy with it. I'm really intrigued to see what sale can do. But again, it's the health stuff. I think his stock goes up though for 2024. And I think you would agree with that too, right? Yeah. Um, a little, a little bit, I think, but I, okay. as I mentioned, I think it's just ultimately whether he's going to stay healthy or not. And maybe, maybe a change of scenery is kind of could give him kind of a boost as well. Going to a team that's, you know, made for a world series run. Um, yeah, I think it's for where he's going to be. We'll have to keep an eye on what his ADP ultimately settles in at, but from where it's been in early drafts, I think he could wind up being a pretty good buy. So we got a little bit of breaking news and our buddy Chad tells us that this is official. Andrew Kittredge has been traded from the Tampa Bay Rays to the St. Louis Cardinals for Richie Palacios. I think this is an interesting move too, Ryan. Like Andrew Kittredge was an all-star in 2021, which, you know, look, that's, (laughs) you can say what you want about that phrase, but it does tell you that Andrew Kittredge has pitched pretty darn well, a 3.65 career ERA and 181 major league appearances. Any fantasy value here for Kittredge? I think it might've been a little more interesting if he was going to a spot that he could close. I don't think he's closing for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I, I don't think so either, but I think he fits definitely what they were, what they're looking for. They're mm-hmm. really been looking for more bat missing ability from the relievers. I, I don't know why it took them this long to figure out that you need relievers that can miss bats, but mm-hmm. they decided this is the off season. We're going to try to try to do that. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of fits alongside probably Giovanni Gallegos and Jojo Romero as the setup guys ahead of, ahead of Helsley. Um, but yeah, solid get for a saves plus holds league. I think he's a decent late round guy. Palacios looked really good down the stretch for the Cardinals. He showed surprising power, mm-hmm. um, power that he had never really showed in the minors at all. Um, but he, he feels very much like a raise player, um, can play second play, base, can play all, all over the outfield, makes a lot of contact. Um, I think he could be interesting, uh, interesting roster fit in, Tam- in Tampa Bay, but he's also, I foresee him as one of those guys that the Rays just take advantage of having options left, and he's going to go back and forth between Durham and Tampa Bay like 14 times. You know that that Andrew Silver, or Adam Silver meme, the get ready to speak, buddy? Uh, get ready to travel from Durham to Tampa Bay a lot, buddy, because I think that's going to be happening quite a bit. But look, the Rays have lost trades, right? There have definitely been trades that the Rays make that they should regret. Joe Ryan for Nelson Cruz should put an end to the we never lose trade stuff because they lost that trade pretty big. 
but I am intrigued by like him in that type of situation. You know, a guy, a guy who can be a decent platoon bat. I think it's a slight downgrade from Rayleigh to Palacios, if we're being completely honest. Maybe even a little bit more than slight, yeah. but it makes some sense. It does make sense. And Kittredge just probably wasn't going to get the normal role that he would get. Um, I do think. Like in a holds league, I think Kittredge has a little bit of value now as that type of guy. He would have had a little bit in Tampa Bay as well. But uh, fun little trade that happened while we're recording. We love to talk about those. Uh, one final transaction I wanted to talk about. Harrison Bader is joining the New York Mets on a one-year $10.5 million deal. According to baseball reference, he played for the Reds last year, Ryan. I don't think that's accurate. I think that they like to make things up every once in a while because I have scoured my brain. To make sure Harrison Bader in a Cincinnati Reds uniform, I can't do it. Um, he, I do know he played for the Yankees at one point, and then he just went missing for a little while. Uh, 98 games, 344 plate appearances, seven homers, 20 stolen bases, 232, 274, 348. That's an OPS plus of a not-so-nice 69. Uh, Harrison Bader is kind of the athletic Mitch Hanniger, Ryan, in that he'll intrigue, and then he'll get hurt, and then he'll struggle, and then I'll get hurt, and then I'll intrigue again. But I think this is kind of a nice landing spot for, look, and Steve Cohen's going to be just fine. A $10.5 million deal is a nice little deal for Hater and a perfectly fair deal for one um, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, Bader and uh, Hunter Renfro both were on the Reds for towards the end of the season. Hunter Renfro did not finish the year. He uh, got cut loose before he sure did. the end of the season. Bader did finish the season, but – didn't uh, didn't do much. Didn't really do much at all in either spot in 2023. But I'm with you on a one year deal. Look, he's still an elite, elite like the so the one of the best of the best as far as center field defense goes. Correct. And Brandon Nemo there for a couple of years looked like he could handle center center field and handle it pretty well. I mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of caught up to him a little bit. Um, I think he's better off in a corner spot. I know the Mets wanted to improve that that up the middle defense. Um, it's kind of funny though that Brandon Nemo now in that outfield looks like the uh, kind of Cal Ripken Jr. of that of that group between him and Bader and Starling Marte. Given that Nemo has had in, plenty of injury issues of his own earlier in his career, but oh yeah, yeah, Bader offers security as much as an injury prone like Bader can be um, offers security in case Marte gets hurt again. Um, yeah. I think it, it sounds like he's probably going to play center field most days, but they said, uh, or at least maybe it was Andy Martino, I think tweeted out the plan is to still play Nemo on in center some days. I, I suspect that means against uh some righties they'll have Nemo in center and DJ Stewart in left field. He actually played pretty well at a down the stretch for the Mets. Um, but yeah, I think this makes the Mets better. I think it's good for their for their pitching staff getting a getting an elite defender in center. So, and I think we look at Harrison Bader, and he's kind of the definition of a better real life player than a fantasy player. But I want you to keep this in mind for the coming years. And I'm talking to, a little bit to Ryan, but mostly to the hundreds of millions of people who listen to this podcast. He's an extremely underrated DFS guy when he's going up against left-handed pitching. Let me just give you those numbers last year. Against righties in 247 plate appearances, 
He hit 207, 240, 263. That is a 503 OPS. That is a, should we use the DH on the center fielder or the pitcher type of numbers? Against left-handers, 299, 361, 575. He has generally handled left-handed pitching pretty darn well. So he is a guy who, those of you who do play DFS, like get him in the lineup when he's up against lefties because his cost isn't going to be extreme. Not a ton of power, but he can give you that double and stolen base for a very low price. Um, and if I was the Mets, I would just be basically playing the guy against lefties. Like I, I get it. His defense is super good. Super, super good. One of the elite defenders in baseball, like you said. But man, he's a bad hitter against right-handed pitching. And you're going to face righties more often than not. It's hard to say that the defense is good enough to justify that kind of offense. Like, just being completely honest with you. Yeah, um, I think it. You made a good a good point there with the the DFS stuff because I mean Bader. I mean even against righties, like he'll go through just peaks and valleys. Yeah. Um, like you remember from the the postseason, not this past year, but the year before he had five home runs for the Yankees. He was leading off for them in the postseason against righties and lefties. Yes. Um, so when he gets hot, he can look pretty good at the plate and he's got decent raw power. Um, so I like the DFS call, especially against when they're going up against, against lefties. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, whether he's going to play center field every day, TBD sounds like they still have uh, intentions to use Nimmo there. So, and just one final thought again, baseball reference, stop making up players that are playing for teams because there's no way in heck that Harrison Bader ever played for the Cincinnati Reds. All right, we're going to talk about some optimal landing spots for free agents. But before we do that, we are going to take a very quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Okay, so we have seen some elite free agents sign, but for the most part, Ryan, a lot of these big name guys are still available, which I'm not terribly surprised by. Um, usually it's kind of the opposite. We're waiting to see where the huge name ends up, but because of Otani's situation, because of Yamamoto's situation, I'm not surprised that the two best, in my personal opinion, free agents signed deals before these other guys, but there's a lot of really good players left. And I just think it's interesting to kind of explore where we want to see these guys go. I think the top name available is Cody Bellinger, Ryan. In an ideal world, where would you want Cody Bellinger to sign? Realistically, so, too, of course. I just <laughs> want to throw that out. Because if we just said Colorado Rockies for every pitcher uh, hitter, mm-hmm. and if we just said Seattle Mariners or San Francisco Giants for every pitchers, this would not be interesting. But like, at least from a realistic standpoint, where would you like to see Cody Bellinger land? Yeah, I think I mean I think it's probably back with the Cubs, honestly. Um I just think he makes a ton of sense there. I mean, they have Pete Carl Armstrong that could potentially take over in center field, but he's obviously not a slam dunk there. The Cubs also have first base open. So if they decide to roll with Crow Armstrong in center field, they could move Cody Bellinger to first. I mean, I think I suspect Bellinger is – of these marquee free agents going to be the last to sign. That's what my read is on it for a number of reasons. One of which is he's a Boris client. Um, He's often has his clients wait out as long as, as long as possible for the best deal. Sure. But also there's just, I think uncertainty with Bellinger just because, I mean, just look at his baseball reference page the last several years. And also the batted ball data, as good as he was last year, just wasn't very good. I think that's going to scare some teams off. Sure. You know, we we heard about the Yankees. It seemed like he was – the Yankees were going to be the the prime landing spot for him at the beginning of the offseason, and then that that never really just took off at all. No. Um, and now the Blue Jays, you hear about a potential landing spot. I think they could possibly still fit him sure. on the roster, but – it makes it with Kevin Kiermaier coming back and makes it kind of a weird fit there. I think we're going back to where he's comfortable, where he just had a whole bunch of success. The Cubs, you know, were I think one game out of, out of a playoff spot last year, they're going to try to contend in a weak division. I think they've, I believe just, did they just make their first free agent signing or maybe, maybe I'm, misremembering that i think if they haven't made one yet they're still at zero on the season i believe off season so they have plenty of money left to spend and 
Cody Bellinger was obviously a good fit for them last year. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to Chicago makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I would love to see Bellinger on the Blue Jays just because I think that lineup would be a lot of fun to watch. A lot of volatility in that lineup for sure. But I think that would be a lot more interesting than watching Kevin Kiermaier. All due respect to him as good of a defensive player and, you know, pretty handsome too. But I would rather see – and Cody Bellinger's a good-looking guy as well. So I would be okay with that for my many Toronto fans. Um, and I do have fans, Ryan. I do have fans. Oh, I know. I, th- I think that's I think that's fair. I think that um, at this point it's just a matter of, like, figuring out the right dollar amount. And he's probably the most difficult player to figure out the right dollar amount because for every great season Cody Bellinger has, Cody Bellinger doesn't have mediocre seasons. Cody Pellinger has awful seasons and that's got to be kind of scary for some teams. I'll be very curious to see when this happens, but I would think that the Cubs and that's a pretty darn good landing spot based on everything that we saw in 2023. Uh, Blake Snell. So Blake Snell is, I think, another really difficult one here. Now, this is interesting. There have been some recent rumblings about the Yankees showing interest in Blake Snell, which would be a pairing of both of last year's Cy Young Award winners, Garrett Cole and Blake Snell, of course, taking that home. Ultimately, I think the best, still somewhat realistic landing spot for Blake Snell would be the Seattle Mariners. Now, it's a little bit of a weird situation here because the Mariners like guys who throw strikes, and Blake Snell still had a 5.0 walk per nine any rate, which is not typically how Seattle likes to operate. But Seattle, I think, is still a contender. Blake Snell is a Seattle Mariner fan. I, I he, Okay, he's a Seattle sports fan. I should take that back a little bit. But there have been wide reports that Blake Snell would like to return to Seattle. I think he's a great fit for that park, too. And his ability to miss bats. And the Mariners are going to have to rely on their starting pitching a lot. Like, even with the addition of Luke Rayleigh, with the addition of Mitch Garver, which was a signing that I liked, there's still a pretty mediocre offense at this point, unless Julio Rodriguez takes another massive step forward and becomes a Ronald Acuna, which isn't impossible. The only player in baseball to rank in the 90th percentile in hitting, uh, running, and fielding last year. Pretty darn good for a 20 player just turned 23. Anyway, the Mariners are going to have to rely on their starting pitching as much as anybody I think and I think Blake Snell would be a great fit for that team in 2024 my guess it's somewhere else but that's where I would like to see Blake Snell land yeah I mean I think it would require probably another move first um dealing one of their as you mentioned they still have some offensive holes um dealing one of their young arms for some offensive help and then turning around and signing Blake Snell, I, I do think would make some sense. I mean, some, some GMs slash base president of baseball operations don't operate with that level of um, going to make this move ahead of this other move. They just, they just like to do go from point A to point B, but Jerry Poto is, is definitely one of those guys that is, is willing to make those kind of moves. Absolutely. Um, so I, I could definitely see that. I still think the Giants could be a, a, a good fit for Blake Snell. Um, maybe that doesn't – it doesn't get him quite to Seattle, but it gets him pretty close to his yeah. uh, old stomping grounds. Sure. Um, you hear about him preferring to play on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, you, ne- you never know how seriously to take those reports. You're, 
almost everybody is just going to take the highest dollar amount. But yeah, I, I think the Giants could still. I think they still have plenty of money to throw around, even with taking uh, Robbie Gray's contract on. We should mention, by the way, I don't think we did before. Maybe you did while I was uh, cut off. But Robbie Ray could potentially opt out after this season. Mm-hmm. Um, probably unlikely, given that he's coming back from Tommy John, only going to have half a season under his belt post-Tommy right. John, but just worth worth throwing out there. Yeah. Um, another lefty. Who's still looking for a home? Jordan Montgomery. I have the Yankees is the most the fit that makes the most sense for him. Um, you could talk me into the Rangers as well, and it sounds like there's some more some more buzz about that. Um, we heard, I think it was Ken Rosenthal initially the the Mariners TV deal. Uh, there's uncertainty about about that and they're kind of putting a hold on spending until that's resolved. But then John Heyman more recently reported sounds like that's going to get figured out soon. And that would allow the Rangers to spend more freely. I know they still want rotation help. They have, I mean, they could have Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom and um, Tyler Molly coming back at mid season, but you need uh, to fill out a rotation before then as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, Jordan Montgomery obviously was a great fit uh, after coming over at the trade deadline. But I think the Yankees probably make just a tick more sense. They He was perfectly solid for them during his tenure in New York. They need the rotation help as well. Um, you know, they have – they traded away a lot of their – rotation depth in their deals for our uh, Alex Verdugo and Juan Soto. So not only is there, do they have like one, potentially two and, and Nestor Cortez, I might add is coming back from pretty injury plagued season. So I think he makes a lot of sense going back to the, to the Yankees, Jordan Montgomery. And I would like that from a fantasy's perspective in part because, and look, you can argue how much this matters, He's, we've seen him have success in New York. We have seen him pitch well for that team, you know, and then we've seen him pitch well in high leverage situations with the Cardinals and also with, uh, with the Rangers, obviously as well. The Rangers, I think almost have to get him at this point. Like, I guess they could go after some other starters, but they have to add another starter. Like the Max Scherzer injury is really, I think put a, made it a necessary thing rather than a, this would be a good thing type of deal. Like there has to be a starting pitcher that gets added to that Rangers rotation. In my humble estimation, that's why I would guess on a Montgomery return, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if Montgomery is playing for them. Uh, Matt Chapman. So Matt Chapman, (laughs) I wonder if Matt Chapman wishes that free agency was in June of last year, because I think he would probably already being done. You'd probably talk about him as the second or third best free agent in the class, but then he struggled. He had some real issues. Uh, I still believe in Matt Chapman from a fantasy perspective because I like the power. I guess I want to see him back in Toronto at this point, and it's the most realistic and probably obvious landing spot. They need a, a third baseman. The The recent moves that they made do not keep them from adding a third baseman whatsoever. That power with the ability to drive in guys like Bo Bichette, and that, my sweet, sweet Vladdy Jr., and George Springer hitting at the top of that lineup is still an intriguing thing. 
I still think, and hey, maybe it's just because I have the Mariner hat on. He would make an awful lot of sense in Seattle too, because yep. especially with the trade of Jose Caballero now, you could make Josh Rojas and Luis Arias your rotating second baseman, and that might actually be a better fit than him being your everyday third baseman. And by might be, I mean Matt Chapman is better than him. So Matt Chapman would make a lot of sense. And look, the Seattle Mariners have cut a lot of money. And they have only added like this move today that was basically net neutral. They didn't add really any salary whatsoever. They have a lot of money that they should be able to spend. So Matt Chapman at third base for the Seattle Mariners, I think would be intriguing as well from a fantasy perspective and a real life perspective. Mariners get a lot of ground balls. JP Crawford is not a very good defensive shortstop. Having somebody who can cover range like that. Eugenio Suarez obviously was a great third baseman as well. I think it makes sense. But ultimately, from a fantasy perspective, I think I prefer Chapman to end up in the uh, the Great North. He makes so much sense going back to the Blue Jays. Like, are we really to believe that the Blue Jays, after missing out on Otani, are going to re-sign Kevin Kiermeyer and go in with Isaiah Kiner Falefa as they're at the top of the depth chart at third base? And that's something to think about. Yeah, I mean, and they're like we hear that, you know, Vlad Jr. and and Bo Bichette are two years away from free agency. The Rogers Center people just spent like three hundred million dollars in renovations, and they want to like go for it this year. Like, I don't, I don't think they can really like kick the can down the road at this point after missing on an Otani. So, like. They really should. I don't know if Matt Chapman is the, in a vacuum, the guy you should be spending big dollars on, but for the fit on that roster, I think he's a a perfect fit. Seattle does also make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll throw the Giants out there again as well. Yeah. Um, J.D. Davis played a lot of third base and actually rated pretty well Mm -hmm. for defensive metrics, but he's been – a borderline unplayable guy at, at third base for the majority of his career. So I don't know if we right. can take that, um, <laughs> take those ratings too seriously. I, I think put, putting him at third base and JD Davis and at more at DH would make a lot of sense for the giants. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think Toronto still makes the most sense for, for bringing him back. And I'm going to go with Toronto again with JD Martinez. Mm. Um I think the, I mean, as much as I, yeah, JD Martinez is, his profile changed a little bit with the Dodgers this season, um, was way more aggressive, struck out more, but he hit what, 36 home runs, something like that. Um, 33 home runs and still a really good hitter. The, Blue Jays don't need him to play anywhere in the field, which is good because he cannot do that. Um, Just stick him in the DH spot. Yes, that means you're going to have to put Vlad Jr. at first base every day. You're not going to give him those quasi days off in the DH spot like you they like to do sometimes. But I think the Blue Jays really could – I mean, surprisingly, because I think we – 
often think of the Blue Jays as this like potential offensive juggernaut. They were not very good offensively last year. They were not. Um, they could use JD Martinez's bat in the middle of that lineup, especially now that they're going to apparently play Isaiah kind of at, at third base. Um, so yeah, I'm going to pick JD Martinez going to the Blue Jays. I also think he could make since for the Diamondbacks, his uh, kind of old stomping grounds there for a brief amount of time. By the way, look up J.D. Martinez's numbers during his brief time with the Diamondbacks. I think he hit 47 home runs in like 15 games. <laughs> um, he was just outstanding for them. Uh, but, yeah, I think he would make a lot of sense for Arizona as well. I know Arizona is looking at potentially at full-time DH ty- types. You hear them um, connected with uh, Justin Turner as well, but I like JD Martinez as a fit for the, for the blue Jays. I wanted JD Martinez on the Seattle Mariners really badly. I will be honest with you. Now, again, I like the Mitch Garver signing. I thought, I think Mitch Garver was a really nice pickup for them, you know, issues staying on the field, but he was an elite offensive player last year, but I thought JD Martinez would have been such a great lineup stabilizer for them. But I think that's a really good call for Toronto just because You know, they have a lot. You could argue Toronto has some of the highest ceiling bats in all of baseball, like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Sure, struggled for a lot of the year, but his ceiling is obviously palpable. We saw what he did when he was would have won MVP probably any other year if it wasn't for a fact that Shohei Otani had one of the most special seasons in baseball's history. Bo Bichette has played really well. George Springer. There are really good players there, but that stabilizing force of Martinez, I think makes a lot of sense. And I think it's intriguing from a fantasy perspective as well, because he would be hitting behind those guys and get a chance to drive those guys in. I'm going to talk about a reliever and I'm furious about it. Like why here's, here's a little inside scoop thing. I assigned all of the names here and I assigned myself, Josh Hader. Like, what are you doing, Chris? You don't want to talk about relievers and you give yourself a reliever to talk about. Josh Hader, I think, is going to land with a really, really good baseball team. I think it's either going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Yankees, or the Texas Rangers. Ideally, I'd like to see him on the Dodgers because I think you could be talking about a guy who could have 55 saves. I guess you could argue maybe the Dodgers get a little um, slick and use him in more high leverage situations than just the, your pure closer type of thing, which wouldn't be great from a fantasy perspective. If we're being honest, the Rangers, you know, I've heard like mixed stuff about how interested they are in Josh Hader. I think it's nuts if they're not interested in him. that bullpen. Yes. World champions. They need bullpen help. Sivu play. Like they need to add an arm like Josh Hader. Everybody could use an arm like Josh Hader. He is one of the most talented relievers of the modern era. They should be all over him. Uh, The Yankees make an awful lot of sense to me too. Like just as a guy who can look, I'm used to seeing the Yankees have an elite closers, Ryan. I've seen it for the majority of my lifetime. I think I would prefer him to land with the Dodgers just because I think that baseball team is so flipping good. And I would love to see that chance to get 50 plus saves but I think ultimately the Rangers are the team that still makes the most sense to me. I am with you. Um, he just feels like a guy that Bruce Bochy should have at the back end of his bullpen. And it's sure. not only because it's a good fit for Hater. It's who all due respect to Jose Leclerc, who had a solid run in the postseason. It's who he would be replacing. Mm-hmm. Um 
I'm fine with Jose Leclerc losing fantasy value. Evan Phillips <laughs> is really good, and he could be yeah. a great fantasy closer. Um, Clay Holmes also very good, could be a good, yeah. great fantasy closer. So it, you know, I for Hater, I think I'm with you. I think those are the three spots that make the most sense, and I think he's would be awesome in fantasy in any of those spots, but. I think because of who he'd be replacing, the the Rangers would be my preference. And we have a little bit of that worry that if he would go to the Dodgers, that Dave Roberts would maybe use him in the eighth inning some. Although we've seen in recent years that Hayter, it's been a little bit of controversy about him being unwilling or at least very adamant that he prefers to not pitch anywhere other than the ninth inning. Yeah. Um, he's, there's been some incidents with, uh, with the media and, you know, him saying, I, I want to be available for the ninth inning. And it, well, so maybe they wouldn't do that with the Dodgers. Maybe he would get a guarantee that, Hey, we're going to use your, use your, use you as our one inning closer and that's it. And that would be perfect. I mean, he could legit break the, break the saves record. Sure. Um, but I think ultimately he'd probably be a great fit for any of those spots. Um, but I, I agree with you. The Rangers are probably at the top of the list for me. Yeah. Another guy, Teoscar Hernandez, your uh, former Seattle Mariner. I, I, I should state for the record before I make my pick for his best fit. Before all this other stuff went down today, I actually had him going back to the Mariners as the best fit. Because oh, yeah. they so desperately need um, outfield help. But they got some of that today. Um, I could really see the Padres making a whole lot of sense because they have Fernando Tatis and I I think they're going to be the first team ever to try to play with one outfielder next year. (laughs) I don't know how that's going to work out, Um, but they really could use outfielders. I I ultimately don't think that they, what we hear about their finances, whether they're going to spend what it's going to take to get task or Hernandez so I'm picking the Red Sox, admittedly, because we also have heard buzz today about them being very interested in him. Um, sounds like they might try to trade uh, Yoshida to kind of clear a spot for Hernandez. Um, I know they want to get more right-handed power, even at with after adding Tyler O'Neill. I do think it makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, Hernandez's right-handed bat in in Fenway Park would be pretty tantalizing. Um, I don't know if I, I saw that they that same article that said that they might trade Yoshida and sign Hernandez. They said that they would probably play Tyler O'Neill on left and Tasker Hernandez and right. Mm-hmm. I would flip those two. I, I would more, much rather have. O'Neill trying to patrol that ground and right than Hernandez. Yeah. Um, I think it was you who mentioned before that Hernandez is a guy who is a perfectly, a perfect example for having speed doesn't necessarily make you a good defender. That is correct. Uh, so yeah, he could, but if they trade Yoshida, he could also get some at bats at DH. Um, they wouldn't have to play him every day in the outfield. And that Fenway, that green monster at Fenway is uh, is a good fit for Mr. Hernandez for sure. I think that's a good fit. I think the only thing I would say about your left field, right field thing, you're right. 
I also think we would see some absolutely hilarious Teoscar Hernandez uh, green monster shenanigans. That that would be one thing that I'd be a little worried about. But, uh, you know, Manny Ramirez was able to do it okay. Why can't Teoscar Hernandez? I think he makes so much sense for Boston. The Yoshida trade stuff is just absolute nonsense to me. I know he wasn't great, but he's good enough, and his contract is fine. Come on, Boston. Like, what the heck is going on there? Do they need new ownership? Like, John Henry has more money than God. Like, what is going on there? I I don't get it. I don't. I could do a full hour podcast on the Boston Red Sox and how frustrating that baseball team is. But I do think. Save that for next week. Yep, we certainly can. Uh, Jorge Soler, which is kind of similar to the Teoscar Hernandez situation and very good offensive player, not a good defensive player which is why I think he makes a lot of sense for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think that they are, if they're looking for a right-handed DH who can hit baseball long way, Jorge Soler hit baseball long way, long time. I think he makes an absolute ton of sense for them. And from a fantasy perspective, very intriguing. A chance to drive in some really good, young, talented offensive players who I think are going to get better, like hitting behind Corbin Carroll and Gabriel Moreno. By the way, Gabriel Moreno for Dalton Varsho. I know we talked about it a little bit last week. That That is looking like quite the trade for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, but I think Soler makes a ton of sense there. They don't need him to play in the outfield. They have plenty of good, young, athletic outfield type of players. You know, Lourdes Gurriel signing at first was kind of like, oh, maybe they're out on this type of guy. But no, they and Passan has reported it. I, I got to stop calling it Passan. Jeff Passan reports that they are interested in right-handed DH stuff. T. Oscar makes sense there. Um, J.D. Martinez, like you said, certainly makes sense there. By the way, the J.D. Martinez trade, um, Detroit to Arizona, one of the worst ever. Like he, I know he was just there for a short little time, but he was fantastic, and they got nothing back in return yeah. for J.D. Martinez. But Jorge Soler, look, frustrating player, has not shown a ton of consistency, but I'm a big believer in that power, and I believe he would be extremely fantasy relevant for a team like the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned J.D. Martinez with the Blue Jays, and also, but also a fit with the Diamondbacks. I think Soler, whichever place doesn't sign J.D. Martinez or vice versa, I think the other one should sign Soler. I don't know if I, I don't know if I said that correctly, but I think you get my drift. Mm-hmm. Um, he would make a lot of sense in either one of those spots. You know, Arizona. Um, you mentioned Ga- Gabriel Moreno, who, while I would love the prospect of him hitting third from a fantasy perspective, for the for the Diamondbacks, probably not the best spot for him right now. Hmm. I think a guy like Soler or Martinez probably makes a lot more sense, and you can have Moreno batting fifth or sixth. Okay. Um, sure. So, yeah, I think the point being that they needed to add another bat. Yeah, if they want to make another postseason run, but yeah, I'm I'm with you that Solaire Solaire, by the way, would have probably made a lot of sense for uh, your Mariners too prior to the Mitch Garver signing and and today's trades, but probably not so much a fit anymore. Yeah. Um, Shota Amanaga, Amanaga, Amanaga. I'll be honest, I'm not sure if I'm saying which way to say that that, that name, but. I got him going to the Giants. Yeah. Um, I mean, his 
stuff, the scouting reports you read about his stuff is, is certainly plus. You hear about concerns about he pitches in the zone a lot, he, that he could be an extreme fly ball pitcher. So you hear that's maybe one reason why the Yankees aren't necessarily interested in him. But right. the Giants, while their park is not as extreme pitcher friendly as it used to be, it's still a very good spot for pitchers the Giants really need pitching help even after getting Robbie Ray um, especially since he's not going to pitch until probably the second half Um, they did bring back Alex Cobb but he's not going to be ready for opening day probably I mean they have Logan Webb and then cross your fingers after that Um, I think Aminaga makes a whole lot of sense for them they got to do something to at least try to keep up with the Dodgers. I think they could sign like every free agent remaining and probably still not keep up with the Dodgers, but Imanaga does make a lot of sense for them. And he's, that's, that's my pick there. I think that's a really good call. And like I said, I do have some wonders about, and look, they got rid of the salaries of Desclafani and Mitch Hanniger. So it's not like they, went out and uh, spent a ton of money today in terms of that stuff. It's pretty much makes their payroll the same, but there is something about like using like the funds that they have on like Blake Snell is not a perfect pitcher. Blake Snell has a ton of volatility to them. I don't think Imanaga does. I do think he is a guy that the high floor is why I think he makes so much sense there. Like you need that guy behind uh, Logan Webb. And I think that makes an awful lot of sense. And from a fantasy value, you know, it's not perfect, but I think it's, it's certainly good enough that I would be interested in drafting him at the end of drafts. Uh, finally, we'll close with Marcus Stroman. I don't know. I, 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 I've been thinking about it. Like, as we're talking, like Marcus Stroman has been in the back of my head. Like, where does he make sense? The giants, I guess, do make some sense for an arm like him. You tell me, Ryan, where should Marcus Stroman go? Like from a fantasy perspective, where would you like to see Marcus Stroman pitch next year? I think he makes some sense for the Yankees too. I feel like we're talking about like we've only talked like about like six different teams for these <laughs> these, <laughs> these, these these players that make sense for landing spots. But I mean the Yankees, Stroman has pitched in New York before. I mean, I mean, I think that is a thing for some people about being able yeah. to pitch in New York. Absolutely, um, he has, and he's he's got the personality that be, to be able to handle it. Oh yeah, he's also a ground ball guy, so he's not going to be affected by you know that short porch as much in right mm-hmm. field. If they miss out on more upper echelon pitchers, I think he could make some sense for. Uh, for the Yankees, maybe the Red Sox as well could make yeah. some for Stroman. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I, I was thinking the Red Sox in my head. You know, who's some? Uh, you know, I've heard the Phillies mentioned with some of these guys. I don't think Stroman's a great fit for the Phillies. I think Blake Snell actually could, if if they're willing to go spend. And hey, we have seen the Philadelphia Phillies willing to spend as much as anybody. I think that would be a really intriguing one, by the way. that That's one that I wouldn't just completely throw out. And from a fantasy perspective, I would love it because he's going to get a ton of win chances if he's a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. But Marcus Stroman's an interesting one. It seems like he's always underrated coming into drafts. Like we seemingly every year, like just kind of write him off because he's not an elite strike uh, strikeout guy. And, you know, he has had some health issues in the past before. 
whenever you hear it, it seems like, oh, that guy helped me a lot. And I think that uh, it'd be nice to see him on a contender. Plus, I just really like Marcus Stroman. Like, I love a five foot four pitcher going out there, throwing bowling <laughs> balls and getting ground balls. It's it's a lot of fun. But I think that are you, are you saying he, he's equal to one Altuve, Marcus Stroman? Yeah. I would like to see them standing next to each other. Now, I think they might scrap if they did for some reason, but I would like to see who wins that battle. I'd like to see him next to some uh, some of the old NBA point guards like Spud Webb or Marcus Stroman, who wins in that height contest. I would love to see it. I just like Marcus Stroman. Uh, and I appreciate all of you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and Ryan does too. Not as much as me, but he does appreciate it quite a bit. Please hit like and subscribe. Uh, make sure you're checking out our stuff on rotowire.com. Rotowire.com slash pod gives you a chance to get a free preview. Ryan and I have been posting a ton of articles lately. I've been doing a bunch of prospect stuff. Ryan looking at some of the breakouts from the last season. We really appreciate that support. You can follow me on whatever the heck he calls that website now at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. You can follow Ryan at Ryan P. Boyer. You can hear my voice going out because I have been talking nonstop baseball for about three hours now. Um, So I'm going to end this show. A very happy new year to everybody. We'll talk to you next time.